On this Miners Monday episode of Lockdown Braves, we're going to take a look at some prospects who could be getting moved as the trade deadline approaches. We'll discuss that and much more on today's episode. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new and watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We're up over 6,200 subscribers now on YouTube. If you're watching there, and I know you are, hit that thumbs up button to help support the show, grow the channel. We continue to fill up that comment section where you do a great job commenting there, keeping continuing discussion past the podcast. Really appreciate all that. Thanks so much for all the support you give me, making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Thanks so much to some of my everydayers who shouted out on the last podcast. Matt Jacobs has been an everydayer since spring training. Jerry Lewis, Phil, DRB, and Braves 1303. Thank you so much for letting me know that you are an everydayer. If you are an everydayer, let me know down in the comments section below. This episode of Lockdown Braves is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. On today's episode, we're going to recap the weekend, a series loss. I didn't know the Braves were allowed to have those anymore. We'll go through that entire series where the pitching Kind of let Braves down there, and then the offense on Sunday going up against Dylan Cease. We'll discuss all that, but primarily on today's podcast, it is a Monday podcast, so we typically do our Miners Monday, but only three games over the weekend for the Miners, but we will go through some numbers there, and then we'll dive into some prospects that I think could be getting moved at the trade deadline, and then we'll wrap up looking at some teams that should be sellers at the deadline. So a lot of trade discussion going to be happening here over the next next couple of weeks. Probably try to shoehorn it into just about every episode that I do as I know that's going to be a hot topic and we'll get a lot of that today. But let's start with the series loss. And I, I jokingly wrote down this team's a failure and you you look at the reactions on Twitter and that's kind of what it feels like, but the Braves you know they are going to lose a series here and here and there. Hopefully not once you get to the postseason. It is a little bit funny. You look at their last two series losses, one coming to Oakland and then another one coming at the hands of Chicago White Sox. Both teams, not very good records, although I've said this for a while. I've said it for years about the Chicago White Sox, even before this series. No idea how, why this team is as bad as it is. You look at the names on that White Sox roster, and I know names are just names, but Tim Anderson, Luis Robert is a monster. Andrew Benintendi, a guy that I kind of wanted the Braves to go after. I did want the Braves to go after in the offseason. And he had a, a pretty good series as well. You know, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Andrew Vaughn's Andrew having a bad season. And he was the once a top three pick. Gavin Sheets crushes baseballs. And he had Jake Berger coming in with some big hits as well. There are really good names in this lineup. I didn't even mention Yohan Moncada, who's injured and that's really the problem a lot of times for this White Sox team is they've just been 
heavily injured, whether it's been Eloy, I feel like he's been injured every year. Tim Anderson's missed some time this season. Luis Roberts kind of been up and down with injuries. They just cannot stay healthy. But when they are healthy, this is one of the more talented lineups in baseball. And then you look at their rotation that they throw out. Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease. I know the Braves got to Kopech, but when he's on, he has some of the best stuff in baseball. But he's coming off an injury himself and hadn't pitched in a while. And then you look at the arms coming out of the bullpen <laughs> that I think are going to be some very attractive arms at the trade deadline. Again, it just baffles me at how bad this White Sox team is, especially in a very winnable division. I feel like just on paper, looking at the players and the names that they have, they should be running away with that division. Now, all that said, they're not better than the Braves. Braves should win this series. Really came down to that Saturday game, and we'll get into it, but Braves kind of let that one get away from them. You can understand Dylan Cease winning on Sunday when the Braves were throwing out Colby Allard, and especially when he had to leave with an injury, but really it came down to that Saturday game as to who was going to win this series, and the Braves couldn't quite grab that one. Let's start with the pitching because – Outside of Friday, where Charlie Morton was great, and Charlie Morton's been on a little bit of a, a run here, which is nice to see. Again, I've talked about it really the last year and a half now. It's been the inconsistency of Charlie Morton. He'll have a good start and then a bad start. Maybe a couple good starts then maybe a couple of bad starts. But we've seen him now really over three, four, five-start span where he's been really good. So hopefully Charlie Morton is starting to put it all together. We start to see him be more consistent each time out as he was on Friday when he was just – fantastic carving up the Chicago White Sox. Braves obviously gave him a, an early lead, and then he was able to just give the Braves some innings. So that was great to see from Charlie Morton. But after that, it was really sketchy from the Braves pitching staff. Even Spencer Strider on Saturday, while you know maybe had some bad luck and defense really let him down, especially in that one inning where he gave up three runs, he probably shouldn't have given up anything in that one. White Sox, I thought, made some – good swings on some really good pitches. You look at the Jake Berger home run. I mean, that's 98 up and away, and he's able to just take it the other way for a home run. I thought the White, White Sox did a good job of just going the other way, and maybe I would have liked, you know, in retrospect, see Strider go in a little bit more on some of these hitters because a lot of them did a good job on these pitches away of just taking the ball the other way. You look at, you know, the hit to me, and I put hit in quotations mark. You know, that one inning where Strider gave up three runs, the hit that really bothers me the most is the hit that he allowed to Andrew Benintendi. That entire at-bat, I'm thinking, I hope Rosario is playing shallow. Benintendi doesn't have a lot of power, but one thing he will do, he'll put the ball in play. And a lot of it's weak contact, and I kept thinking that entire bat. Do not let him bloop one in the left field. Do not let him bloop one in the left field. I hope Rosario is playing shallow. What happens he bloops one in the left field. It falls in front of Eddie Rosario. They score a couple of runs. That, to me, was the hit that really just bothers me in this outing. They go on to score three in that inning. They should have scored nothing. Now, Luis Robert, he bloops one in later in the inning as well. I understand that one a little bit more. I understand playing Rosario playing deep on Robert, who has really good power, and that one falling in, but it's really the Benintendi one that bothered me the most because I'm thinking the guy doesn't have power. The only way he's going to hurt you here if he's, if he's if he's late on a pitch and bloops one in the left field or he puts a good swing on one and kind of just dumps it in the left field, you got to be playing shallow there. Give yourself a chance to make that catch. I feel like that catch needs to be made by Eddie Rosario, and it wasn't. They go on to score three runs in that inning, and that to me just really hurt 
Braves really hurt Strider. You could see how annoyed Spencer Strider was. He ended up throwing 100 after that, just being, I think, overly annoyed because there were several balls in that game hit to left field that should have been caught. Eddie Rosario later left with a hamstring injury after he uh, failed dive attempt, whatever it was. Um, certainly that's a weakness for the Braves. I tweeted this out on Saturday. It's really the one weakness of the Braves is left field defense. And I feel like Eddie Rosario has been okay out there. And I'm, I guess I'm moving into a different topic here, but the defense again, especially on Saturday really hurt the Braves in that one. And again, I go back to the Ben and hit more than any others. Did Strider make some mistakes on Saturday and he, and he paid for him. Sure. I, I thought he deserved better than that. You look at Eddie Rosario's Eddie Rosario's defense this year, 37th percentile and outs above average 37th percentile in outfield jump 56th percentile in arm strength. He did make up for one of the misplays he had by throwing a runner out at third base 58th percentile in sprint speed is not terrible, but again, he is a bit of a liability out there and left field. Definitely the weakest spot in the Braves defense, but going back to Strider, I mean, the guy struck out 10. I thought he looked good. He had some bad luck in that inning. Really good hit by Remillard at 0-2 pitch. He throws 98 on the black away, and Remillard just takes it the other way. That's what I that's what I was mentioning earlier. It just felt like too many times in that outing, Spencer was throwing really good pitches away from hitters, and they were just doing a good job of going with that pitch the other way. I maybe would have liked to seen Strider be a little bit more aggressive going in, especially on some of those righties where you know they can't get around on that fastball and make them beat you that way instead of helping them out, putting it on the outer part of the plate where – you know, they can just go the other way with it, flip it the other way. So White Sox made some some good swings on, again, good pitches. Uh, but Strider did make a couple of mistakes in there as well. Defense didn't help him out. Ended up being a five-run outing for Spencer Strider. Allard wasn't great on Sunday. You know, gave up four runs in the blink of an eye and then left the game with an injury. Still no update on the MRI that he had post-game, which I find pretty weird. It was an off day on Monday, but hopefully we'll get some more information on that. Is a back of the rotation starter now needed? Uh, I think that's certainly something the Braves have to look at. Soroka was used in relief. I don't make much of this other than guy hadn't pitched in a while. More likely just kind of a bullpen day, get him some work. You know, with Allard leaving early, why not just get him some work and live reps? A lot of bullpen injuries, uh, you know, this weekend as well. Nick Anderson going on the 60 day IL, AJ Minter going on the IL. The bullpen is really beat up at the moment. You're going to need this offense to continue to pick up the slack as they have done for a while now. And the Braves are going to win some of these games, you know, outside of when Morton and typically Strider, when Elder pitches, you're especially going to need this offense to really pick things up at the moment. And they've done a great job of that, and even did a good job of it on Saturday. I mean, they had an opportunity to win that game, but just wasn't enough. Schedule only gets tougher this month. I mentioned coming in the White Sox and the one game with the Angels to end the month are the only games they have in July against teams under 500. So maybe they'll get better as they face better competition. But this is a series you felt like the Braves really needed a win to kind of finish off the month strong. Um, this is no time to let up. Obviously, the Braves have built themselves a bit of a cushion here. Can't let up. I don't think they are. I just think the White Sox played a good game on Saturday, made some good swings. Braves did not play their best game. They ultimately lose that game and drop the series, and Dylan Cease just – uh, did what he did on Sunday, and the Braves, you know, obviously didn't have enough pitching to get things done. 
one good thing about the the big loss on Sunday, and really when the Braves have been losing lately, it's been a close game. So you haven't seen players come in and blowouts like we did on Sunday, where Charlie Culberson entered the game and he got a hit, a infield hustle single, as you might expect from Charlie Culberson. So that was a a nice way to end a, a tough weekend for the Atlanta Braves. All right, next we'll move into our minors Monday segment. I'll give you some. Stats from this past weekend where we had some minor leaguers with some big weekends, even in just three games. And then I'll tell you which prospects I think could be on the move at the trade deadline. We'll discuss all that next. Are you using the Sleeper app for daily fantasy baseball? If you if you aren't, you definitely should be. Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. It's a really intuitive and fun app. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see some of these screenshots here where you can go to certain players. You can pick higher on lower on certain stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. You know, Pick several different players, several different categories, and you can uh, multiply your winnings. And, and if you get all of them correct, so it's really fun, a really uh, fun way to do fantasy baseball. If you're into that, make sure that you go download the Sleeper app and try that out. Use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over thirty states. Check out Sleeper today. Braves are off on Monday, then they'll host the Arizona, Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Catch the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. All right, we'll have our Miners Monday segment today, our Taco Tuesday segment tomorrow, which will be all about the trade deadline, and then our Stat of the Day Wednesday through the league Thursday and Mailbag Friday, typical full week here of Locked on Braves. Let's get into our Miners Monday recap here, going through some of the top prospects. A.J. Smith-Shalver did make a start this past weekend. Four innings, two hits, five walks, two earned runs, and four strikeouts. As he, you know, Since getting sent back down, really everybody here lately, when they've get, gotten sent back down, it's been a rough adjustment for them after getting a taste of the big leagues. But five walks for A.J. Smith-Shalver, certainly not what we expect from him. Braden Shoemake, four for 12 over the weekend, two doubles, a home run, and a walk, and no strikeouts. Good weekend for him. He's been swinging the bat a lot better here over the last two or three weeks, really showing off some power as well. Uh, Spencer Swellenbach didn't pitch this past week, but he did get promoted to Rome, so good thing there for one of the Braves' top prospects. Darius Vines continues to work his way back, went four and two-thirds innings, three hits, no walks, one earned run coming on a solo home run, and he had five strikeouts. Ambioris Tavares, tough weekend for him at Augusta. Over 14, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Now is the time where I'm looking for some improvement from Tavares. I said early on, not really going to worry too much about his first half numbers. It's his first season in pro baseball. Really want to look more at the second half of the season. We're getting to the second half of the season. He showed a little bit of burst and some improvement when he first got moved back up to Augusta, but and now we're starting to see him struggle again with all the strikeouts and really not getting many hits. When he has gotten hits lately, it's been for some power, which is great, but still not seeing the improvement at the plate that we need to see from him. Ignacio Nacho Alvarez had a great week, 5 for 14, two doubles, two home runs, a walk, and three strikeouts. He's slugging 714 in July. We've said all along the only thing holding Alvarez back from being 
not just a top prospect in the Brave system, I think, but maybe a top prospect in baseball because the hit tool is there. The play discipline is there. The only thing that's held him back is the power. And you're really starting to see that in the month of July. Hopefully that's something that's going to carry. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, take away from his plate discipline and his walk to strikeout ratio, which I've we've seen kind of dip here in July as well. Not nothing drastic, but again, if it helps him tap into that power and we see some more extra bases out of him, I think it could be worth it as long as, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a 25% strikeout type of guy, but you take to see him take away that aspect of his game, which is so great. But a 714 slug in July is certainly pretty loud. Luis Guanipa, four for 14 this past week, a double, three walks, four strikeouts, and three stolen bases. Looking at each individual level in Gwinnett, Von Grissom, five for 15, a home run, a walk, six strikeouts, and a stolen base. Luke Williams, five for 14, two doubles, two walks, two strikeouts, and Alan Winans. I want to talk about Alan Winans here for a second. Six innings, six hits, a walk, three earned, two strikeouts. The guy statistically has been one of the best pitchers in AAA all year long. You got to figure if Colby Hallard is injured and the Braves need help in the starting rotation, I got to think Winans gets a chance at some point. I mean, this is no longer a short sample size that we've seen from him. I'm not expecting him to be an overly dominant top of the rotation type pitcher, but clearly he's figured something out to be able to get Hitters out at, at the AAA level, at least. Now, it's not always easy to transition that to the major league level, but I, I got to think if the Braves have a need in the rotation that he's going to get an opportunity. We'll see. Um, you know, if not, and we'll talk more about it this week, maybe if they do go to the route of just holding on until they get freed back at the end of the month, or maybe they trade for a veteran starter here before the deadline. But Alan Winans, I mean, he's done everything he can to prove that he is deserving of an opportunity. Maybe he's a trade piece as well at mississippi cody milligan six for ten at the plate two doubles three walks and a strikeout good weekend for him luis diavila five innings no hits three walks no earn and six strikeouts and hayden harris three innings one hit no walks no earn six strikeouts 24 year old lefty out of georgia southern he's moved across three levels this year 61 strikeouts and 37 and two-thirds innings at double a 13 and a third innings just six hits has walked six batters, two earned, and 20 strikeouts. So that's some dominating stuff there from Hayden Harris. One thing I do want to mention here while we're talking about Mississippi, it has, you know, they are supposed to be going away from the tacked balls here in the second half of the season. So, you know, they were experimenting with that tacked ball in the first half of the season. It was really kind of messing up, you know, pitcher numbers and hitting numbers as well. You didn't really know what to believe. Supposedly, they are going away from that tacked ball here in the second half. So, what you're seeing should be more reflective of what you would see, you know, normally at a double A level. At Rome, Gerardo Quintero, five for 13, a walk, strikeout, and two stolen bases. And then at Augusta, Justin Giannis, eight for 12, two doubles, two stolen bases. Jeremy Celedonio, four for 12, three home runs on the weekend. And then Samuel Strickland on the mound, five innings, five hits, no walk, no earn, and five strikeouts. So that's your. Miners Monday update, but I want to talk about prospects who could be traded as obviously the dead trade deadline is approaching. I always like to go through the prospect list of guys that I think are expendable, could be moved, players that are untouchable. And just spoiler alert, I don't think anybody in this Braves farm system is untouchable in the right move. And there are prospects I prefer to keep. So 
prospects I would prefer to hold on to AJ Smith Shaver, obviously, J.R. Ritchie, Ignacio Alvarez, uh, Luis Guanipa. Obviously, you know, excluding the guys that they just drafted. I'd probably th throw Cole Phillips and, and Adam Meyer in that group as well. But considering they've yet to throw a professional pitch and they're coming off injury, I would doubt they'll be asked for in trades. But I'd probably throw those two in there as well as those being guys that I'd prefer to hold on to, guys that I think have a lot of upside, could be major impact players one day. All that said, if if those guys needed to be moved for a big piece, like you're getting a, you know, a, a mid-rotation starter with years of control, you're getting a, you know, everyday left fielder, and I'm not saying they need to do this, but you're getting an everyday position player with years of control. I still wouldn't hesitate to move any of these guys, but I prefer to hold on to those if I can. Players who uh, that could be tempting in a smaller type deal. You're getting a rental player. Maybe you're getting a, a rental reliever, you know, a rental uh, back of the rotation starter, maybe somebody for the bench. These are guys I could see getting moved. Braden Shoemake, Darius Vines, Dylan Dodd, Jared Schuster, Jesse Franklin, Luke Waddell, Alan Winans, uh, Rangel, uh, Tanner Gordon, Tyler Tolby. Those are all guys I could see that would be attractive pieces as guys who probably – you know, are ready for a chance or close to ready for a chance at a big league level that don't really have a spot with the Braves and are players that I don't think are going to come back to really hurt the Braves. Could they be solid, you know, big league players, contributors? Yes, but I don't think any of those guys are prospects that are going to turn into something that's really going to hurt the Braves. And I think they could be attractive to other player or to other teams as they might have more direct access to getting on the field. Players to use in a bigger deal. If we're we're trading for you know a setup guy, dominant setup reliever with years of control, or a mid to rotation starter, or an an everyday bat, I would consider moving Von Grissom. I know he's not technically a prospect anymore, but I think he's still one of the better trade chips for the Braves. Owen Murphy, Spencer Schwellenbach, Victor Vodnik, uh, Geraldo Quintero, uh, Baldwin, and David McCabe as well. Those are guys that I think. Are, are solid prospects. I think they could turn into something one day. I mean, Grissom at this point, I don't know what he has left to prove it at AAA other than where he's going to play defensively, but the kid's been hitting all year long and all he's done in the minor league level is hit and he came up to the major leagues and he's hit. So I don't, I don't know what else Grissom has left to prove. He's just looking for an opportunity to play. Uh, Owen Murphy, obviously top pick last year. I didn't want to trade him, but He's somebody, again, in, a, in the right move. You're getting somebody with years of control, an impact player. Uh, you know, I could see including him in the deal. Same thing with Schwellenbach. I think, you know, he can obviously turn into a pretty solid pitcher one day. I don't necessarily want to move him, but in those types of trades, you got to give up something. And as shallow as the Braves farm system is, you're probably going to – it's probably going to hurt with whoever you do give up. Bodnick is somebody – had a really good year at Mississippi, especially you know after the first month or so. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten bumped up and maybe even gotten a chance in the Braves' bullpen, but he certainly is somebody that I think could be attractive. Uh, Quintero, good young player. Baldwin, a guy, Baldwin and McKay, both hitters that the Braves drafted last year. And while I hate to trade any hitters in the Braves system, which is already lacking hitting talent, I mean, the Braves are set up at the major league level for years to come position player-wise. So, Again, I think those are all players that could have a pretty solid impact at the big league level one day, but they are players that I could see the Braves 
wanting to include in a trade of somebody of significance. Again, I wouldn't just trade those guys to trade them away. So those are all players I think could be dealt in the level of trade type of trade I would be willing to move those players in. We'll see what happens. Let me know your thoughts in the comments section below. Who do you think could be trading traded? Who do you think would make sense in a you know a bigger type deal for again a, a an impact player with years of control? I wouldn't trade any of those players for somebody the ones that I just mentioned for somebody that is a rental. Um, who do you think gets traded for a rental? type player let me know down in the comment section below all right next we'll talk about max freed's outing and then i'll talk about teams that should be sellers at the trade deadline we'll discuss that here next max Fried did make a rehab start over the weekend down at rome three innings two hits no walks no earn and three strikeouts good to see him continuing to getting stretched out I'd imagine at least one more rehab start, and then maybe we could see Max Freed return. Maybe two more starts. They've really been taking it easy with him. And again, with the cushion that the Braves have, have given themselves, they have the ability to do so. But good to see him continue to get stretched out. Seemed okay after the start. Everything felt good. So sure he'll make another one later this week, and then we'll go from there. Now, looking at teams who should be ready to trade at the deadline, some obvious ones. The Tigers, the Royals, the A's, the Nationals, the Cardinals, the Pirates, the Rockies should all definitely be trading and definite sellers at the deadline. Angels probably should be trading. They probably should be sellers at the deadline. It's going to be interesting. The Braves, again, start a series with them at the end of the month, so that'll be something interesting to watch there. White Sox probably should be sellers, but in that AL Central, like I said, you know, as talented as that roster is, if they were to get healthy and maybe they get on a roll here over the next week or so, get themselves, you know, a little bit closer in that division, maybe they take a shot at it because that division is just not that great to begin with. And if you have a hot month or two, you can get back in it. But you look at it now, they're eight and a half games out. I just, I can't see them not being sellers and again if they are and they probably should be there are a lot of talented players on that team is going to make them a very interesting team to watch at the trade deadline uh should the mets be sellers at this point i mean they're 18 and a half games out of the nl east i for fear of jinxing it they're not going to win the nl east at this point they're eight and a half games out of a wild card spot I think the Mets should probably be sellers. I doubt they will be just because of who they are, who their owner is, how much money they put into this. I really doubt they're going to sell, but they probably should. You know, they have a couple of guys, you know, Mark Canna, David Robertson, I think that would make sense to, to just trade and get something out of it. And it probably doesn't hurt their chances too much or really, you know, change anything dramatically the rest of the way. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, sell off a couple of those guys, but it may even, you know, really not affect or impact the wins and losses the rest of the way. And then the Padres as well. This was a big weekend for them against the the, the Phillies, and uh, they did not play particularly well, lost that series. They're now 10 games back in the NL West. They're not winning the NL West at this point, and they are uh, eight games back in the wild card. So, 
Talked about Josh Hader. I think he obviously would be a very intriguing player to trade for if he is available. I don't know if the Braves would pony up the prospects to get him, but I think the Padres obviously have some solid trade chips as well that they could deal from. Again, it's hard, just like with the Mets, it's hard to see them giving up after everything they've spent, all the moves that they've made to be contenders, but it's just been a rough year for them, and it's really hard to see them getting back into the postseason picture. So I think the Padres and Mets are very interesting because they probably, just based on record and how far back they are, they probably should be sellers at the deadline, but just because of how much they put into this season to win, It'll be interesting to see what they do. I think the Padres, more than the Mets, have some really interesting players that they could flip at the deadline. So we'll keep an eye on those. Cubs should probably be sellers as well. But again, they're in a pretty winnable division. They're eight games back in the wild card right now. And they are uh, eight games back of the division as well. So they should definitely be sellers. You got Marcus Stroman on there, Justin Steele, others who could be solid, Cody Bellinger as well. I know a name getting thrown around a lot. So those are your teams that likely should be sellers. That's a pretty good list of teams there. So we'll see how things shake out over the next week or so leading up to the trade deadline. But now that we know the teams, tomorrow, like I said, on our Taco Tuesday segment, I'll start to go through these teams, look at some players that could make sense for the Braves and be fits for what the Braves need, which – and now it's looking like pitching could certainly, certainly in the bullpen, but maybe even in this rotation as well, be a need for the Braves come the trade deadline. So we'll discuss that on tomorrow's Taco Tuesday episode. The Rays will host at Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. It will be Zach Davies against all-star Bryce Elder. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at shortstopball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 